0: Ready for some word? All right, let's do it. If you have a Bible with you today, uh, go ahead and get that out and turn with me to the book of uh, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, that's the fifth book in the Bible. So if you're starting on the left, you'll run into it. Deuteronomy chapter 8. I started a series several weeks ago now called Rich in God. All right, I'm gonna continue that today. This will be helpful to you. Do remember though, this has context. I'm not bringing balance today. (laughs) I'm trying to bring balance in the whole thing. So any particular week, I may emphasize one part of it over other parts and you understand that. And so uh, yes, I'm protecting myself from you throwing stones at me, thinking I left out a whole bunch of scriptures on the subject. Of course I did. And uh, that's done intentionally. Uh, I've been talking about rich in God. We're talking about natural wealth. We're uh, also bringing in the aspects of, of covetousness and how to avoid that. But enjoyment is also a gift from God. All right? Not just having something, but enjoying that thing is also a part of God's blessings. He richly gives us all things to enjoy. And how many know enjoying something is different than serving it? Many times people have something and they live at the mercy, if you will, of that thing, uh, subject to their their possessions or what those things require of them. And and we don't want to be in that ditch. We want to serve God and use wealth. All Not... not, Use wealth, or not uh, use God and serve wealth. Some think of God as just their their method of getting things. Uh, no, you've you've left out some of the components here that are necessary. If you ever get things in that order, well, I'm just using God and using God to to, to get uh, to get rich. Well, no, worship God independent of anything you have or don't have. But then let him bless you in your life and use the things that he gives you for good purposes. Uh, But one of the chief ways that we worship God is through giving. And what we never want to do is leave the material side of our possessions and wealth outside of our relationship with God. We don't want to treat this like, well, uh, my relationship with God is spiritual. Those things are you know, natural, and so never the twain shall meet. They are very much in connection with each other, okay? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm not going to... Uh, have a good relationship with God if it doesn't involve my natural life, including my possessions. In fact, if I do not learn the principles of God related to priorities and giving, I will put a lid on my spiritual life, okay? Your spiritual growth is connected to your, to your giving and what you do with your stuff. And if we want to set that aside and just ignore it, we do that to our own demise, all right, let's let the Lord teach us how these things all work together so we can honor him and live a good life and enjoy it. Always seeking the giver, not the gift, right? Uh, in this discussion, I've, I, I began sharing with you about the difference between a blessing and a curse. Should seem obvious, uh, for some reason, it's not always obvious, especially when you get in church. People get religious ideas, and they start twisting curses into blessings. And they say, well, the Lord is doing this. The Lord is a blessing in disguise. And, and really, I don't think God wants us to do that. Not everything has his hand on it. Not everything is of his design or of his will or of his doing. All right, Some things are really up from the other guy. You know, some things are really from the wicked one, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So if something is a blessing in my life, I can call it that. If something is a curse, I can call it what it is too. All right? If I'll do that, I'll begin to, um, I'll, begin, I'll be able to handle things and receive what I want, to resist what I don't want. And uh, one of the ways that we've already discovered in how blessings and curses work, blessings work in your life this way, It's not so much about sitting back doing nothing and God just showers you with abundance, but it is about putting your hand to something and it working. See, I work hard, I put my hand, I'm diligent to something, and it's blessed, meaning it works. It's effective, it's fruitful, it's prosperous. That's the blessing of God on on your life. A curse would be I'm working hard, I'm putting in the time, I'm putting in the energy, all the effort, and I get very little return for it. Okay. Now, we've probably all been there on both sides of this. We've operated in blessings and curses, but know what God is into. And if something is just totally not working in your life, you work hard and you struggle and you strive and get no results, that's not a blessing. There's no secret there. That's, that's really the opposite of what God wants to take place in our lives, okay? Uh, did you find Deuteronomy? All right, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. You probably know this. Some of you know this. Might be new to you as well. 8.18. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He... Say, God does it. it. Now, the rest of you say it too. It. Thank you. Full participation for the best service of the day. It's cream of the crop. All right. <laughs> it is He who gives you power to get wealth... That he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So I want you to notice the difference between God giving you wealth and God giving you power to get wealth. All right. Uh, say, which one's better? <laughs> well, I'd rather just receive wealth. I do nothing and it just comes on me. But that's <laughs> not how he said it. He didn't say he just just sit back and he'll dump wealth on you. He said, No, I'm gonna give you ability. Power is ability. I'm going to give you ability to get it. Now, he wouldn't, he wouldn't give you an ability to get something he doesn't want you to have, right? But he gives us an ability to get stuff. It is through his covenant promises that he enables us to succeed in life, all right? And, and so if we have it, in fact, let's say this together say, I have from God the power the ability to get wealth. All right, so if that's true, and that is true, then we just need to use our power. You need to use your power. You've got power in your hands. What is it? It's an ability from God to succeed in life, to be successful, to obtain things, to obtain wealth. Use your power. Well, I'm struggling. Well, use your power. Well, I have been. No, you haven't. You might have been using your own strength or your own, uh, your own uh, you know, figuring things out, but God's power is successful. And so there's a, a learning in how to draw out of it instead of trusting in self and relying on self. We can use the power of God to get these things he promised. Now, if you remember or know of the story in uh, the exodus of Israel out of Egypt... Okay, remember, slaves for 400 years. God sent Moses, let my people go to Pharaoh, and the 10 plagues and all this stuff happened, and then they left and went to the promised land. I I want to draw your attention to the last thing they did before leaving. Okay, one of the last things. I'd have to read it again. But one of the last things they did before leaving Egypt, when Pharaoh finally said, fine, go, get out of here. You can leave. You can go sacrifice to your God, is God dealt with them to, uh, to ask, the word is ask, it could be translated demand as well, ask of them for their stuff. Okay, so they're slaves, they're servants to those who are in charge of their entire lives. So they, how many of those slaves don't have a lot of possessions? They're just given enough to exist to do the work for somebody else. And they're getting set free, and the Lord said, ask them for their gold, and their silver, and their clothing. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, God enabled this to happen, but he still required them to go in and get it. Yeah. And so they would do that. They would just go, you know, those people who've been held holding them captive all these years and say, hey, I noticed you've got some new jewelry. In fact, I know where the jewelry box is because I keep it clean and organized. And uh, and it's really nice. You've got some nice stuff in there. And, uh, you know, we're leaving, and before we leave, I'd like to have all of that. And the owner there, the Egyptian, said, Yeah, okay, here you go. <laughs> okay. Oh, and by the way, I also noticed that you just went on a shopping spree, and you've got nice new threads you've got some nice stuff, really nice clothes. And it's a little Egyptian, but you know, it's <laughs> nice stuff. And, and I'd, I'd like to have that too. Okay. And literally what happened is they cleaned the place out. Not only did the ten plagues ten plagues wipe out the land, Israel coming out as slaves with nothing to their name, all of a sudden come out wearing wearing gold and jewelry and, and all kinds of new clothes and all kinds of stuff, and they left and they totally uh, cleaned them out. That was the that was the working of God. He's the one that did that for them. He's the one that took them from nothing to abundance, just like that. By the way, He's the same God. Who would have ever thought about, put yourself in their shoes, and we don't have anything. Who would have ever thought that that's how it would happen? Because I mean, wouldn't you think if you're in that situation and someone suggested to you, well, why don't you go ask so-and-so for their gold <laughs> before you leave? You'd have thought, well, why in the world would they do that for us? They're not going to give us that, and yet they did. Whenever we think, ah, I don't know how this is ever going to work out. I can't even think of another way where I'm going to get what I need to succeed in life. Yeah, the Lord might have something you've never thought of. And he has the ability to work on people and change them in an instant, in a moment. But they did that. My point is they still had to participate. God gave them the power. They had to use it. And if someone said, well, I don't want to ask, I would just feel too bad. I don't want to go ask them or make any demands or anything. Okay, fine. I'll, fine. You go out broke. Everyone else comes out with new stuff. Right? T- turn over uh, to the right to the book of Joshua. Just very close by there. Joshua chapter one. Here's another famous verse. It's famous because it's good. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. It reads, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Everybody say, My mouth. But you shall meditate in it. Everybody say, My heart. heart. Day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So notice the language used here. We read in, in, in Deuteronomy, God gives you power. To get wealth. You get the wealth by using your power. Here he says, you make your way prosperous. Who makes? Doesn't say God will make you prosperous. He said you will make your own way prosperous. He gives us power. We make it happen. The method is you get it in your mouth. You get it in your heart by meditation. And if you'll do that long enough, you can then practice it. All right, how many know you can't make You can't make um, concrete and lasting changes in your behavior until you get it inwardly. I can't, I may outwardly do something for a minute, but I'm gonna revert back to my, my crazy ways unless I talk about it a lot and think about it a lot till it gets in me. He said, You're gonna talk about it day and night, you're gonna meditate on it day and night. Once you've done that, you're gonna be able to do it. And once you talk about it, think about it, put it into motion, you'll make your own way prosperous. You will, by the basic observance of God's word, succeed in life. God is that smart. This is how things work. All right? And so the beginning of this, you can see, is faith. We make our own way prosperous. Faith is always the starting point let me let me caution you once again never to tie the blessings of God or the limit of God's blessings to something you know about sometimes people say well my job pays i get this much a year this much per hour this much per job and I just can't see how, any other th- how it can come any other way or how I could ever get ahead because that's just all it pays and that's my field and, and I'm just stuck. I'm in a tough place because of that. But slow down. You're not limited to what you know and what you can figure out or what someone has told you. You're not limited if you say you're not limited. If you say, I can't get ahead, I can never, I don't see a way, you just put your own lid on your own life. But there is something we need to do. I know of situations where, where someone was making a, a certain wage and it was, you know, just okay. It wasn't exactly like they were going to get ahead and do well. Just kind of making it or sometimes even a little bit too low, not enough. But they knew that God wanted them to work in a certain place. They knew that God wanted them to take a certain job. Okay? What can happen is someone can say, Oh, I'm just going to have to learn to live at a low level because God wants me to do this, and this is all it pays. But I know of specific situations where people in obedience to God did that, and he opens up a whole new stream of income from somewhere else. They're doing what they have in their heart to do. He opens up a whole new stream of income and the blessings of God flow in their life abundantly. I'm telling you, God can get things to us in ways that we've never thought of and we should open up our minds. Someone said, well, I'm just a student. How can God prosper a student in ways you've never thought of? That's why I say this starts with faith. It doesn't start with work. It doesn't start with... um, trading time for money it doesn't start with something necessarily that i know about it starts with faith in god's word i believe that if i will get his word in my mouth and in my heart and observe it then i will make my own way prosperous that's a choice we make everybody okay let me show you one more uh new testament second corinthians 2 Corinthians, another popular passage. Uh, Chapter 8. Say it with me. Say, I can can make my way way prosperous. prosperous. See, now we come in the New Covenant, we not only get Deuteronomy, we not only get Joshua, we get Jesus. Okay, so when we get Jesus, you get all the old plus benefits. It's the old with whipped cream. I mean, it's way better, but what Jesus did for us, this really ups the game in how God provides our needs, all right? And that's because Jesus actually became a curse for us. Here's what it reads here in in 8 and verse 9, 2 Corinthians 8 9. Paul writes, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich, so Jesus went from rich to poor so we could go from poor to rich, yeah? The question is, when did Jesus become this? When did Jesus become poor or when was he made poverty so that I could take his place on the, on the rich side? Now, a lot of times people think of it this way. Oh, that's Jesus. Yeah, that's Jesus uh, living his life, his 33 and a half years on earth and he lived a poor life. Actually, no, that's not what that's referring to. As we've studied in past weeks, there are a lot of scriptures that indicate that Jesus was not actually poor that religion paints him out to be. His needs were well supplied, abundantly supplied. He gave to the poor. He was a giver to poor people. So that's not what it's referring to. I've heard others say, well, he was poor relative to heaven. The riches and glory of heaven, anything on earth, comparatively speaking, would be poor. I get the logic there. I still don't think that's what that means, though, okay, Uh, because his life on earth was lived as an example for us. The death he died was done as a substitution for us. This language is redemptive language. It's not telling us to do what Jesus did. It is the language of what he did so we wouldn't have to do it, okay? He went to the cross to suffer for all sin so you and I would not have to suffer for our own sin. That was substitutionary. When the scripture says here that Jesus became poor or was made poverty, when did he do that? He did that on the cross, He did that the same time he was made sin, the same time he bore sickness and disease, the same time that he took all evil and all of the curse in his own life, he also became poverty-stricken. He was hit with the root, the source, and cause of poverty in the earth today. Jesus suffered for it. That's what he's telling us. He did this to take your place so that that curse of poverty could no longer dominate and, and rule your life. You could now enter into the blessing and be made rich. That's, what, that's, what, that's what, the, what this is saying here. And so if we can see the difference, then as believers, if you're a believer yet, you don't approach life and approach God seeking to be forgiven. I'm not going after forgiveness I'm not going after healing. I'm not trying to get God's blessing or or financial blessing in my life. These things are a fact. These things are accomplished already. God already did them. It's one of the reasons we come in here with a skip in our step. We come in here with a smile on our face. You know, religion doesn't know this. Religion is happy in the lobby and sad in the service. what are you doing? What's wrong? Well, it's, it's church. Shh. No laughing. Knock it off. Wipe that smile off your face. This is serious. Are you kidding me? We've already been forgiven. We've already been blessed. We've already been made new and made holy before God. He has given us his very best. If we don't have a skip in our step and a smile on our face, something's wrong in our understanding of what really took place. Amen. Some of you too tied to the ground during worship is what I mean. Need to get a little skip in your step, a little move, well, a little fun. Come on, let the let, feel the beat. He already did this for us. We're just enjoying it. But it's true concerning our finances. Now watch. Because of this, we are not the poor trying to get ahead. If you ever see yourself as I'm just a poor, struggling individual trying to get ahead, trying to get to a place where I can have my needs met, quit. That's like you saying, I'm just still a sinner. I'm just hoping I'll make it to heaven. Knock it off. If you're not saved, we'll pray today and you'll get saved. And if you're already saved, don't act like you're not and don't think like you're not. And if you've already received Jesus, don't think like a poor person. Think like a blessed person. The Lord's blessing is functional and operative in your life every day. We are the blessed of the Lord just walking out His victory. Yeah, that's why we don't take any credit. We're not saying, I'm so smart. I'm doing well because of my brilliance and my diligence. I'm, ble- I'm happy. I'm thrilled. I'm doing well because the curse has been broken by Jesus. And the blessing of the Lord comes for us to get and to enjoy the things that He has provided. One a great verse on this is Ephesians 1 3. It it reads, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. You notice the tense of the word? When did he bless us? Previously. Not he's going to, not I hope he will someday. He has blessed us with how many spiritual blessings? All. All of them. Okay, we're all good so far? I know some of you, are, you're thinking, I know, but that's spiritual. I just need money. <laughs> I've got bills. I need money. I don't need a spiritual blessing. Yes, you do. It's all spiritual. Everything that is good that happens in our natural, physical life has a spiritual origin, good or bad, Okay, And the blessings, the spiritual blessings of God are a relationship with him and health for our bodies and peace for our souls and wisdom for our future and riches for us to live on. It's all included in his great plan of redemption. Hallelujah. Everybody okay? I know it doesn't always look like everybody's blessed, but I'm going with this. The word says we are. That means the Father gave it to every single one of us, and if God gave you his blessing, no one can take it away. What if I lose my job? You didn't lose the blessing. You just lost one avenue, one method for it to flow through. The blessing remains. Yeah, what if someone steals it? Because there are thieves in the world. They might steal your stuff, but they can't steal something spiritual. They can come in the middle of the night with a truck, and they won't be able to grab your blessing because it's spiritual in nature. It's obtained and, and, and put into motion by faith in what Jesus has already done. Amen. Now, sometimes people will think they have this mentality that they're not really blessed like they want to be, but they have attributed, attributed it to God in his wisdom and foreknowledge. And they've said, well, I know the Lord, uh, he's holding things back from me because he knows that I'll probably mess it up. Or if he gives me too much, I might make it an idol. I might begin to worship the gift instead of the giver. And so he's really working for me to to help me get my heart right. That almost sounds kind of spiritual and logical. That's, yeah. I bet I bet if I posted that on social media, I'd get all kinds of people saying amen. Bet you a hundred bucks. Okay, we're not going to gamble not in the middle of church anyway. <laughs> uh, I bet you <laughs> people, oh yeah, amen, God, holy. That's not correct though. Go ahead and think for yourself. It's not correct. You remember Israel leaving Egypt? I'd like to have your new watch. Can I have that new suit? Could I have? They cleaned them out. They took all their gold and their silver. You know what they did a few days later? They used it and built a golden calf and worshiped it as God. That's our God. They took the blessing of God and used it for the wrong thing, but God still gave them the blessing. Why did God do that? Because of covenant. He gives us, remember Deuteronomy, the power to get wealth that he may establish his? He's going to do the right thing. He's going to do what he said he would do, period. Even if we do the wrong thing with it? Absolutely. Now, of course, I have a recommendation. Don't build golden calves. Okay? But that doesn't mean the Lord's going to keep everything away from you so you can't. He's going to give you the ability to build a golden calf if you want to. And, 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 and uh, hopefully you won't. Hopefully I won't, right? But he's not holding back his blessings from your life because he knows you're going to do the wrong thing with it. He's just going to give you the blessing. Now it's on you. That's why we teach. Keep the Lord first in your life. Honor him with your tithes and your offering. Keep keep God's kingdom first in your life. Then, from that position, all the gold can come to you in the world. You're never going to make a calf out of it. Yeah? Yeah. But sometimes when your leader goes away for 40 days to get the Ten Commandments, people do all kinds of crazy stuff. Nowadays, when people stay out of church for 40 days, they make their own gods too. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Say, but what about the COVID? Forget the COVID. The Jesus. Yeah? We serve Him and Him alone. And we live not in fear. I can't be around people. Well, I'm obviously pe- preaching to the choir. You guys are here, and you know. But all the world that you shared this service with is watching. <laughs> people need to get around spiritual leaders. God has anointed. Many of people like myself to keep people on, help keep them on track so they don't build calves with their stuff. Let's finish with this thought. Can I give you one more thing? Poverty and prosperity begin inwardly. A good work or a bad work. It goes from the inside out. If we want to change our external, we must focus on our internal. Not a sudden outward blessing makes someone blessed. It depends what's going on inwardly. The outward thing may just fly away like a bird. But when we can adopt God's mentality, his way of thinking concerning things, natural things, then we're set up to succeed. And the way that we think about money, it can either be a prosperous way of thinking or a poor way of thinking. I don't want to think poor. I want to think like God does. You might be familiar with Third John 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Okay. So soul prosperity is a good thing. But if, if your soul can prosper, your soul can also be impoverished. Yeah. I want to make sure my soul, the way I think, the way my emotions are, are not poor in nature. I, I need to think like God regarding stuff. It's soul prosperity. Soul prosperity, by the way, is not salvation. It's not receiving Jesus. Okay, that's when your spirit's born again. Uh, Soul prosperity, again, has to do with thinking like God, having healthy emotions. But it is very difficult to prosper financially when you have soul poverty, okay? Much of this is shaped by our upbringing, what we observed in others, how we the the models before us. You may have, you know, you may have prosperous thinking, you didn't try hard to get it. You may have deeply poor thinking, you didn't try hard to get it. It was just kind of the way things were in your life, and you've never done anything real direct to interrupt and change it. Because a lot of these things are hard. They're hard to change because you get in a pattern of thinking, and so you look at the world through poor glasses. All right. Everybody okay? Uh, how, how can I know, how, how can I identify within my own self if there, if there is poor thinking going on? All right. Sometimes we can see it in things that we do, like, like saving junk, like hoarding. You know, how many know when a person hoards stuff, Someone else might come to their house and say, wow, you are really blessed. You have lots of stuff. But they're not really blessed. Internally, they're poor, and therefore they collect everything, and they never get rid of stuff. And everything's got to... uh, They go extreme when it comes to the idea of waste, okay? Now, true waste, I'm not for that. I don't believe God wants us to waste things, but they stretch the word waste. It's a mile long. And any time anything has a potential future use in some millennia, they're not going to get rid of it because I might need that, right? And, you <laughs> and their garage overflows with potential project-ish things. And why do you have that? Wasn't that from the car you had 30 years ago? I know, but I might need it. Uh, you might need to get rid of that. You know, and why is that toilet on the front yard? (laughs) What what is that doing out there? What, what, are you, are you, do you have a salvage yard? Because I noticed there's three cars in the backyard on blocks. Do those work? Oh, no, no. But I might need something off of one of those one of these days in case something goes wrong with my car. You see a problem with this thinking? Okay. They never want to get rid of anything won't get rid of any clothes. You ever going to wear that again? Well, if I lose 40 pounds, (laughs) then (laughs) then yes, then I can wear that again. And just stuff overflowing in abundance. And it's really done out of fear of, you know, I won't have enough to, to get that again if I need it. But faith in God and prosperous thinking says, you know what? I don't use this. I don't need this. I'm going to get rid of it I'll give it or sell it or throw it away if it's really junk. And if I ever need it again, I believe God will give me enough money to buy a new one. Yeah. See, that's just a different way to think. And, and if we're not doing that, then we're, you know, we're always reminding people, we're reminding the kids, eat all your food because there are people starving in CUNA. <laughs> right? or not Q, I'm sorry, for you Q. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's a joke that lives on within me. People starving in Ethiopia or whatever. Eat all your food because people are starving in Ethiopia. Now listen, if you want to give to people in Ethiopia or any place in the world, go ahead and do that. That's prosperity thinking. But you being overweight's not gonna help them. You gotta eat it all. No, you don't always have to eat it all. Now, if you're training your kids, that might be other reasons why they need to eat it all, but, uh, but not that kind of stuff. They grow up with that, man, that mentality, that there's never extra, there's never more than enough. We're always down to the wire, have to use every little bit of everything. You know, If, there's a, if you throw away the ketchup bottle and it's still got a little bit of red in there up along the side, you're calling that, oh, you're wasting. We can get that out of there, you know. If we just turn that thing upside down for three days, I can totally use that and get two French fries in there and dip it in there and we don't want to waste. That's not waste. You're too, you think too small, too, too poor. You know, your shampoo bottle, it's been out for four days and you're still milking it, aren't you? Get a little water in there, shake it up. (laughs) I think I can get two more showers out of this. Throw it away. Amen. (laughs) Sometimes uh, when we we, we do that, we practice these things. It's not long, we we adopt that speaking too. We start thinking speaking about everything that way. We're calling everything a waste or anything that's even just plenty or prosperity, you call it all excess. Criticizing those who have something that you think is too much, which is totally foolish, by the way. You're never gonna get something that you criticize. You're never gonna be in a place if you think down of those who are there or judge their motives or say they're not really serious about God otherwise they wouldn't have that and then you actually want one. (laughs) When people have poverty thinking, it's not long until they also have poverty speaking, and they say things. And remember, remember what Jesus taught: if you believe something in your heart and say it with your mouth, Mark 11:23, what happens? You get it. You get even if it's a mountain, you move it. And so people start speaking, they start declaring all this stuff, and it hurts them financially. I don't get it. I'm working. I'm paying my bills. I don't know why I get it why I'm always struggling because of your mouth. <laughs> Me and my big mouth. Yeah. Cuz th- that 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 mentality that's that seeps out. You know, p- people they adopt sayings like, "Oh, we can't afford that." And if they if they really wrote it down every time they said things like that, they would find lists and pages and pages of we can't afford that they look at something a car a vacation or something that's nice and they say oh wouldn't it be great to have that they drive through neighborhoods and say yeah but we could never afford that we could never afford to live over here would you stop cursing your life what do you mean you can't afford it you're a child of god he is your father he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and put it within you the ability to prosper So, stop interrupting that with your mouth. Am I saying this in a nice way? Okay. Uh, I'm telling you, we undermine God's plan for us by saying things. I'm not saying if you really can't afford it that you should lie and say, you know, let's go get it. I've got a credit card. Not saying buy things you don't have money for, but you can also respond and instead of just repeatedly saying, can't afford it, can't afford it, can't afford it, don't have enough, don't have enough, don't have enough, say, you know, uh, God's our provider. He's our source. You know, we may not have the money, ability to do that today, but we're going to. It's only a matter of time because his blessing is working in our lives. We're gonna keep giving, keep trusting God. We're gonna, be ha- we're gonna have one of those soon enough. We're gonna be able to travel and go to this place soon enough. See, you can speak about it negatively, or you can align with the word of God and just, I mean, we're not, because we're not trying to get a blessing. It's a fact we are blessed. Yeah. We're adjusting our mentality and our words to line up with what God has already done. Praise God. Amen. So, you don't want to be telling your kids, all, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. Do you think we're made of money every time they ask for something? Do you think we're made of money? How about, well, why don't we pray about that together? How about we get in faith about this and pray, and we're going to trust God to make a way for you to get that. Hallelujah. And so the word of God in our mouth makes all the difference in the world. Again, Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. And so let's replace the wrong thinking, the negative talk with God's word, and only say, my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Yeah? Say things like that. He is my supply. On him I will rely. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. He is my source, not my job, not, my, not social security, not, not any other way of, of money. He is my source. Those things are fine. They can be vehicles, tools, but God is able to do things in a thousand different ways. Amen? Let's pray today. Father, thank you for working in us, for working in our hearts and in our lives. Thank you for working.